0: Today's episode of Bitter Units is brought to you in part by the American Homebrewers Association. The AHA has a host of benefits for joining, including discounts at over 2,500 beer businesses like breweries, bars, restaurants, and homebrew supply shops in the U.S. and worldwide. You'll also get access to discounts on many brewing publications, award-winning homebrew recipes, and expert advice. Go to BitterUnits.com to learn more. Hey folks, Tim here. We had a little bit of sound issues with this episode, so I apologize for that. Hopefully that is not too disruptive for you guys. Uh, We had a lot of great discussion, so I hope you enjoy.
1: This podcast contains
0: material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners.
2: Enjoy. The space might have been what it is, maybe not a ton of ambience, but you know what? I'm not there for the audience. I'm there for your beer. If your beer's good, Great.
3: Bitter Units, a podcast hosted by the tailgatesociety.com. If you haven't listened before, we drink beer. We do it well. Other than that, I'm not sure we do much well. But here we are for episode whatever number it is. It probably says in the notes that you read before you pushed play. So there you go. Um, But we typically have brewers and people from the industry on. And that's what we're doing again today. Tim. As per usual, you have hooked us up with another great guest. Tell us all about who we've got with us tonight.
0: Well, I'm not going to tell everything about him. I'll let Derek talk a little bit for himself. But tonight we are lucky to be joined by my good friend, Derek Almendinger, the head brewer of Unmapped Brewing in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Um, Derek and I have actually known each other for a, a l- long time over a decade at least so yeah, I, I don't know how long it's been but yeah it's it's been forever so i've got to see him go through kind of his whole brewing career as it's gone along so really excited uh, to talk with him tonight and get him to share a little bit more with you guys and with our listeners what he's got going on at uh at unmapped
1: so derek welcome to the podcast thanks tim always great to uh, see you and visit with you and excited to meet some new friends. Excellent. So careful what you wish for. (laughs) (laughs) We, we
0: usually start off just kind of standard question. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the industry, you know, tell us your, your brewing journey, all that fun stuff.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you said, we've known each other a long time. Um, And it, Based on your last question, we, we knew each other before I got into the industry. So, um, you know, it's an interesting story. I started out, uh, I, went, I went to college for, uh, I, I don't even know where to begin. This is a, a podcast that I'm sure your listeners don't want to fall asleep to. Um, oh, they already do. <laughs> <laughs> in high school, I learned I wanted to own my own restaurant someday. So I wanted to go to school for that. And uh, my high school guidance counselor said, no, don't pick a school based on your uh, major. Pick a school because it's a good school. And so I I picked a school. And instead of doing hotel restaurant management, I went into uh, business. And upon graduation, I I did what most business graduates do. And I got stuck in banking. And I had a good job for 12, 13 years. Um, It was was a good job. It wasn't what I wanted to do forever, but I didn't hate it. So there was really no motivation to leave. And my now wife bought me a, a homebrew kit when I turned 30, and I learned about making beer. I love drinking beer, but I learned how to make beer. And um, clearly, if you look on the shelves in the liquor stores, there are people who make a living making beer. So I thought, what do I got to do to do that? I um, uh, kicked a few tires. Uh, at that point, there was this would have been about 2008, and there were maybe five or six breweries in the state. Um, and I reached out to all of them, a few of them, very, very few of them even got back to me and said they weren't interested. The other ones didn't even, you know, send anything back. So I thought, wow, it's going to be harder than I thought. And the first thing I thought was, well, if I go to school and get, you know, a degree and get something on my resume that looks, looks good, maybe someone will give me a chance. And, you know, this was back when there was maybe what, how many breweries were there in 2008, 500? Somewhere yeah, between like five hundred and a thousand um, in the whole country, and, and now we're I, I don't know seven, eight, nine thousand. It's been a weird year, so I don't know where we're sitting at right now. But now they'll probably hire anybody to you know start cleaning floors. But back then nobody was interested. So I, I, I got a I got a degree, and fortunately the school I went to, American Brewers Guild out in Vermont, they um, as part of the degree they signed me up. They helped me get uh, an internship and I got a four month internship at Summit uh, here in here in the Twin Cities. And that was, that was really key. If you, you know, if you got a a degree in brewing and you've got four months at, you know, one of the premier breweries in the state, it looks pretty good on your resume. So um, at at least I thought it did. And, you know, at the end of the end of 2010, I reached out to a bunch of breweries and I was lucky enough to get a job at, at August Shells in New Ulm. So my wife and I moved down there and bought a house and started working at uh, Shells Brewing in New Ulm. And, you know, I, that would, that, the the first professional job is always where you, you, you know, you learn some of the, a lot of the macro stuff and stuff that you you thought you might learn going to brewing school, stuff you didn't even know about. And, uh, you know, it it was it was one of the things that I really enjoyed about New Ulm is that I grew up in a really small town in Minnesota. And and having moved to Minneapolis in 1999 to get away from the small town, you you realize what you had when you didn't realize you had it. And, you know, living in New Ulm, you kind of got that small town feeling that you missed. But you also had, you know, you were close enough to the big city, but it was a big enough town that you know, you had some of the luxuries that you enjoyed from living in a big city. But we always knew it. My wife's family was from, you know, suburbs of Minneapolis. And my parents had since moved to the Twin Cities. And um, we got pregnant, too. So we decided we, it, we needed to move back to the Twin Cities. And, you know, Surly lost a brewer. They were looking for somebody. And I'd kept in touch with Todd. And he's like, well, let's talk. Let's uh, let's figure out if we can make it work. and And, and they did. So I Joined Surly in 2012, worked for them for two and a half years, and it was a great place to work. I love the people. I love the company, uh, but they grew, Surly grew so big, so fast that there were, we were working overnight. We were working, you know, we were working around the clock. We were doing 36, 40 brews a week on a 30-barrel system. There was, you know, there was was hope in the future. Um, Clearly, they were building a new brewery, and that was exciting, too. But there was a little bit of a promise of, you know, things are going to get better. As soon as the new brewery is built, we're not going to be working overnight anymore. And, you know, once the new brewery was built, I could still see the writing on the wall. It wasn't going to change. And, you know, we had one kid, we had another one on the way. And I just, I couldn't work those hours anymore. That was not working for my body chemistry. And um, a, a brewer position opened up basically in the town that I was living in nine blocks from home. And. That was Excelsior Brewing, and I, I I applied there, and they they accepted me uh, right away, and started working there in 2014. I worked there for two years, two years exactly. I actually quit Surly on my birthday in 2014, and I quit Excelsior Brewing on my birthday in 2016. <laughs> I worked there for two years, um, and that was the nice part about that. You know, going from Summit to Shells to Surly, those were the those are the big guys. And really all I did, um, I, I it's, it sounds like I'm making it sound bad and it wasn't, it was great, but all I did was make work. You know, I'd come in mm-hmm. in the morning and I would do the same thing every single day. And, um, you don't realize how much you learn until you actually start doing it on your own. hero was quite different. It was the smallest brewery I had ever worked at, and. I was doing a lot more than just showing up every day doing the same thing. I learned a lot of the micro stuff to um, working at a brewery from, you know, getting everything we needed for a brew organized, uh, ready. We were doing filtering. We were doing we were doing a lot of things. Um, Are you. I wonder if we're putting people to sleep now. (laughs) No, you're good. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to watch my twins too right now. Yeah, I'm gonna say I've I've got them going too, Derek. It's all right. At least, at least we've got runners on uh, runners on the corners in the eighth, and we're up. Anyway, um, yeah. Well,
2: we were. You don't up. have March Madness on?
1: I I don't. I'm a baseball guy. You know, okay. March UC... Madness is great. I I I would enjoy that more in Vegas than I would at at home. But um, yeah, UCLA, been...
2: up, UCLA is up four right now. Oh, wow. Who
1: are they? Who are they playing? Gonzaga, who's undefeated. Oh, Gonzaga. yeah,
2: the yeah, favorite the, the
1: overall. Board. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. I like to see a good, uh, a good upset.
3: I'm. I want to. I to jump in here with a PSA. Go for it. You ready for this hot take? As a former high school teacher, I want all the people who just heard about his guidance counselor steering him the wrong direction <laughs> from what he wanted to do. Uh, I don't want to tell all high school guidance counselors to go fuck themselves (laughs) because that story has been told a thousand times by a thousand people. Stop shitting on kids, high school guidance counselors. Let them go do what they want to do. They'll figure it out on their own if that's the right thing to do or not. Stop shitting on kids dreams, you pieces of shit who never amounted to a goddamn thing. <laughs> Thank you. That is your PSA for today.
2: Uh, no, let, so let, let, let kids find their way because I went to college wanting to be a physics teacher. And then I ended up, I fucking hate math. I don't want to do this. That's eight <laughs> fucking morning on a Monday. So I ended up getting a degree in radio and television. Uh, and then I found out that doesn't pay dick. And then, yeah. So, <laughs> and the hours are awful. But anyway, sorry.
4: Thanks uh, for the TSA,
2: Aaron. That was, the was,
0: was a good tangent. Yeah,
4: By
2: no the problem. way, Derek, is that the guy that was formerly Todd the Axeman? Yes. One of my favorite beers. I, that is a great beer. I know he I guess he's no longer there because it's just Axeman now, but Right. Yeah. yeah Summit it, Surly make fantastic beers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was funny watching that progression from if you look at the packaging, it was Todd, like in all of capital letters. And then in small letters, it was the Axeman. And then they changed it to Todd in little letters, the Axeman. And then it was just the (laughs) Axeman. Todd has been completely removed from the packaging. And it was a a slow progression. But yes, Todd is the Axeman. I think, uh, I don't think, I know. Tim actually played guitar with the man. And he will forever be known as the Axeman. Whether you take his name off the package or not.
2: Is that what they mean by Axe? Because he's a guitarist or exactly. yeah, so No he, shit,
0: okay. Yeah, so he's he's a guitar player for the band Power Mad, which I I don't know that you're into into metal, but they like they had like videos right. on yeah. M T V back in the day and stuff like that. Yeah. So I yeah,
1: mean they it, they played they played right alongside Metallica, in like early nineteen eighties. And it was just who what record companies decided to promote which band? I they were touring all over the world. Power Mad—they went to Japan, they went to Europe. They were touring all over the globe, just like Metallica was. But you know, for whatever reason, they decided to promote Metallica and not Power Mad. And Todd became a brewer. He still plays in Power Mad, and he can still—and yes. he can still play guitar, really incredible.
0: When Derek said I got to play with him, I—I I felt like I got to play near him.
1: <laughs> no. I no, from from, my, from where I
0: was watching, you were playing with him. Yeah, it was it was fun. That was supposed to be a brew day, but neither of us were brewing. The both of us
1: were just playing guitar. Do uh, does Aaron and JT know the Hexa story? They probably do, right? I don't know that I've ever told that one. No, you no, should. no. You no but that's you... a hell of a story.
2: Okay,
0: so up, let's go. So Todd had announced that he was parting ways with Surly. And it was not necessarily on the best terms. Uh, it was it was a very kind of difficult separation for those two. But he announced he was leaving, and he's at Three Floyds now. Uh, which JT, I'm sure you're familiar with the Three Floyds. Uh, out of what town in Indiana are they? Monson, right? I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, it's 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 Chicago, Greater Chicagoland, but Indiana, right? Okay. Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. Uh, they, they just keep on growing. I noticed on the top 50 list, they jumped up to like 24th this year. In the nation? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Three Floyds really got really jumped up. But uh, so he was headed out there, and on the way out, then he, we just kind of reached out to him. Our owner just kind of reached out to him on a whim and said, hey, do you want to brew a beer with us on your way out of town? And so we did this one off beer called Hexit, which was a Braggit IPA. Uh, which was a uh, bitch to make because, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, because, you know, the base malt was honey malt, which isn't a base malt. and doesn't have the diastatic power, so the mash was a nightmare. You know, it was a two-day thing is, like, the first day. A Bragut IPA is, like, a – it's not really a thing, a, <laughs> um, but it's, like, a beer-mead hybrid. And so, like, on day one, we we, we did the mash, and knocked that out. And then day two was we did the mead part, the honey, and knocked that out and blended that. So it was it was an involved thing. But he he came in, like literally on his way out of town, his car was packed up and unpacked a guitar. And we had a couple guitars in the brewery. and, And so you know, Derek being a friend of his came over to the brewery to hang out that day we had, I don't know, but three dozen brewers from certainly in other places to come by and, and hang out with us all that day. Did and, you have groupies? Uh, well, yeah, the groupies, groupies. all have. Groupies. <laughs> groupies, yeah. there we go. <laughs> They're all tubby bearded, know-it-all white guys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Back in my day.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we got to do that. And that was that was fun. I think that, that was right around, around when you told me. Uh, you were leaving Excelsior. Wasn't that the, the same time, Derek?
1: It, it could have been. I, I, I don't remember that, but it it sounds about right. Right. I mean, it was right when, you know, when England was leaving the EU. Yeah. So Bre- Brexit was popular, so that's oh, where geez, the Hexit name came Brexit. from. Yeah. Yeah, no,
0: that's right. So, yeah, so that was, I think it was almost, like, right around... Um, when you said, hey, I, I'm actually leaving Excelsior because I'm going to be the head brewer for this new place called Unmapped. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, uh, about that story.
1: Yeah. Um, so I was at, uh, um, while I was at Excelsior, which was super close to my house, there was, you know, I read in the local, you know, small town paper that there was a brewery that was planning on opening up. Literally half a mile from my house, which is close, but not as close as where I was. What are we? What are we thumbsing up and we watching basketball?
3: Half a mile is good.
1: Yeah, no, oh, it's great. (laughs)
0: Well, but he was like, like stumbling distance from his house. Uh,
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, half a mile stumbling distance, maybe. Hey,
0: (laughs) half mile stumbling distance doesn't
2: mean you'll get there safely. (laughs) I have proof. I can show you pictures of a broken ankle.
4: I've stumbled across things. Come
1: on.
0: You were you were still driving to work anyway though, weren't you? Because you have to take your kids like you were doing the daycare shuttle. So you were probably I I
1: would have to drive a lot farther to drop the kids off at daycare and then come (laughs) back to work. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so this new place was going to open up, and it was an opportunity for me to be the you know the head guy versus you know second in line, which is where I was at Excelsior, which was which was great. Um, So I just reached out. I, I I sent an email to info at on Matt brewing and say, Hey, I heard you guys are coming to town. Do you guys are you looking for a brewer? And the response I got was, well, we're, we, we, need one. We're not looking for one now, but let's talk. And, you know, it was very similar to when I reached out to Todd when they were looking for a brewer and I ended up getting together with uh, the husband and wife that were opening this brewer. Uh, then in Tonka Bay and um, the, the introduction was, was great. Um the conversation was great and it it was a it was a good fit right from the beginning. They were still in the fundraising um period and you know it, it, it turned out that they didn't have the funds that they needed as quickly as they thought. By the time they did the um the landlord at the strip mall that they were planning on being in was not he he basically changed his tune and said, We're gonna We've changed the terms. This is what it's going to be now. Um, take it or leave it, and they they basically said we're going to leave it. You know, you guys, you know, go fuck yourself. Apparently, you can say that on this podcast. So yes, I'm going to say did. it. Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Um, and, and it it worked out really well um, from a business sense. It it ended up being about six miles from my house, so you know, not stumbling distance. But um, we ended up in another strip mall in. a a neat little kind of town center. Minnetonka is one of the largest area-wise suburbs of the Twin Cities, but there's a little kind of hub within Minnetonka called Glen Lake, which, if I remember right, I heard was a a town at one time. Now it's just a part of Minnetonka. But it's uh, a neat little place with the crossroads. It's got a lot of commercial, a lot of... uh, um, um, retail but it's right in the center of a, a bunch of uh, residential areas so we, we picked this place we we took over an old hardware store that um, had been around for 107 years and it's got a great story it's right on basically Lake Minnetonka is this now it's this very affluent um, it's a gigantic lake just west of the downtown minneapolis it's the it's
0: it's the the charlie murphy print sketch on dave Chappelle. exactly
1: like fucking purify yourself (laughs) (laughs) but it used to be where the affluent minneapolis business people would go in the summertime and they built a, a streetcar line that went from downtown minneapolis all the way out to lake minnetonka And when that streetcar line was built, you know, places just like today, they would pop up these business centers along the way on the stops. And one of the stops was the Glen Lake neighborhood and uh, a little general store popped up at the Glen Lake station stop a hundred and I guess it would be 111 years ago now because we took over 107 years and uh, the general store turned into a grocery store. It turned into a hardware store and and the it was eventually a true value hardware store that um was there and the guy who owned it at the time was part of the family that started it um his kids didn't want anything to do with it so it was the the place was up for rent and uh we we jumped on it and it was great because it was just surrounded by residential people that were just thirsty for craft beer and, and Minnetonka's it's i don't know one of the more um Comfortable suburbs uh, people like to drink beer and they they got the wallets to support it and um, It turned out to be a much better place than our original place. So um, Again, go fuck yourself original guy and we, We're in a much better place. And so for four years now, we've been selling a ton of beer uh, The people love us. We love the people we got some great regulars Um, I don't I there's so much i can say but we're, yeah no, we're, in a, it's, we're in a good spot
0: it is it's a great spot it's a nice corner unit so you've got a parking lot right there you've got a patio you've got awesome pizza like two doors down um there's there is a lot over there but at the same time it's not like you're dealing with you know it was an underserved neighborhood as far as breweries go because there there wasn't a ton out that way. Absolutely, uh, there still aren't, you know, a ton out that way. But you've got, you know, it's easily biked to for a lot of the residents of of the the West Metro. All of that. So yeah, it is just a a fantastic spot. I I'll admit that when I first heard about it and looked at it, I I couldn't get out of my head that it was. Uh, you know, the hardware store and it didn't seem like I was probably a little bit more skeptical, but you know, once, once you guys got that place open, it it
1: completely changed my opinion. I mean, I I didn't think you could do a good brewery in a strip mall, but clearly, I mean, look at Lupulin. They're doing amazing things in a strip mall up there. And and now, you know, strip mall breweries are more common than, than not. So people people love come to see us. They really do. I, I wish we had more parking, but I think that's a common amongst a lot of people, but. Right.
2: I was going to say, yeah, one of the breweries I love here in Townsend is Strip Mall. And <clears throat> when I've traveled, there's a couple of places in the Denver area that were in Strip Malls that the space might have been what it is, maybe not a ton of ambiance, but you know what? I'm not there for the ambiance. I'm there for your beer. If your beer's good, great. Sure. But I guess another thing with the problem with Strip Mall might be, excuse me, is sometimes you're limited in space. I'm not yeah. I mean...
1: a place, yeah. Yeah, you can't take over space unless someone's lease is up and they want to leave, you know?
2: Yeah. And,
1: that, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, COVID put a big, big halt on all of that. But um, we would love to have more, more space. We don't have a dedicated like event center. Um, right now, I mean, I, I keep saying right now, but right now is difficult because, you know, 2019, back when things were normal. What we would do is we got you know we get these big, huge community tables, which again, now community tables aren't even possible. But we would reserve community tables for people if they, you know, a, you know, a, a local big business is like, yeah, I got 30 guys that want to come over or 30 people that want to come over after, after work for a happy hour, can we reserve some tables? It's like, yeah, absolutely we'll reserve tables for you because we don't want to send 30 people to our competitors. We want you to come to our place and buy some beers. Uh, but then people come in, you know, a half an hour before this group is supposed to show up. They're looking for a space to sit and they see these open tables and they're like, oh, let's go sit down there. And they're like, oh. and then they see the sign that says this table is reserved at 5 p.m. for, you know, United Health Group or whatever, whatever it happens to be. And yes, we like the business that we get from the big local companies, but we don't like when the, when the small groups come in and look for a place to sit, and they, they don't have any place to sit because we reserved it for, you know, this seems so elitist, and we don't want that. We want a nice event center, and I, we'd love to take over the insurance company next to us. I don't know when that's going to happen or how that's going to happen, but, you know, COVID screwed everything up. You know, we're, we're healthy. We're healthy. I don't want to complain about COVID because we— damn COVID. We did we did well through COVID and everyone stayed healthy. We never had to close because anyone got sick. Um, and we're extremely grateful for that and happy for that, but um, we'd like to we, we'd like to continue to grow our business and let's 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 start that, you know. Uh,
3: have you partnered with the pizza place two doors down to make dough from your spent grain yet?
1: Not. We have not. Is that something that people are doing? Are they making...
3: There's a place in, in Washington here in Everett that does that. They're really? a brewery and pizza place together. They So, but they use their spent grain to make dough. Okay. Um, so, super good for the environment because we're super tree-huggery up here in Washington. Sure. Um, but also, you know, probably interesting flavors. I haven't actually eaten there yet. My neighbor actually just told me about the place. So, um, but... Uh, just you know, free uh, free uh, idea there for you.
1: Yeah, I, I've had I've had spent grain bread, and I really like it. You have to make some adjustments if you're a bread person, bread maker, if you're going to use spent grain. But if you do it oh. right, it, it makes I, really I, good for sure.
0: I've had a lot of bad spent grain products too. I feel like there's an awful lot where I, I like sure. the idea of it, but people, I mean, because it can get really dense and weird. Jim, you're not supposed to eat the dog treats. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, now you tell me. <laughs> um, but yes, you know, you're right. And that's, that's exactly it. That's why you got to adjust the recipe because it's – I can't remember if it's too wet or if it's too dry. But you need to add more or less water to make it to – to make the final product as good as it would be without spent grain. But yeah, you're right. There is a lot of bad stuff. I've made some really bad spent grain bread. So,
0: you guys started off in this in this space, and you've grown within your own production space. Uh, I certainly, uh, again, you know, I, I was skeptical of the hardware store. I was skeptical of the whole strip mall thing, uh, like you said. And when I saw your space, I, not that I should be surprised by it at all, but the first time I came in right after you opened and I saw how you had organized things and how well organized it was, uh then I then I saw oh you do have a little bit more room to kind of add tanks in. You've done that. You're probably starting to get to a point where you're you're you've maxed out your space pretty pretty good. Uh you added a second cooler <laughs> recently. Like you're you're getting tight in there, but you it's very tight, a, yeah. A lot of that is because you guys have done well and, and you're coming up on what, four years this year? yeah june june will be 4 years june will be 4 years right and so you guys have had some pretty good growth throughout that time is that i mean at least from what i've observed
1: yes it it's been good positive growth um we've we've grown i would say slowly and carefully um we haven't we haven't rushed anything and the expansions that we have made have been um you know, a combination of careful and thought out and just well-timed there's always been a demand for our ipa um and that's the one that you guys are going to taste later our ipa is very balanced and i'm not going to say a lot about it because i think we're going to talk about it more later but it's it's a i don't know if it's the style or if it's the actual beer that people like but um that one's done really well and when we started we only had four tanks um and we, we actually – we started – I I, let, I take some pride in, in knowing that we um, – and it wasn't my idea. I took advice from someone who had been in the industry a lot longer than me. But we started with a 20-barrel system, and I encouraged our owners to start with 40-barrel fermenters because you could brew 20 barrels into that, and um, if you needed to make more, you – got the space built in already to make more and that's that's exactly what we did we we started making 20 barrel batches of everything and when it was time to make more of the same beer instead of having to use a second tank to make more of the same beer we just made more of the same beer in the same tank which worked out it worked out really well and it was kind of like our first expansion was built in. And I think I think that was something that was kind of underappreciated at first, but was really appreciated as we grew. Um, and then our first kind of real expansion was oh, I want to say it was April of it's probably April of twenty nineteen. We wanted we wanted a twenty barrel tank, but um, I, I, I'll back up a little bit. We added a and this was always part of the plan, but we added a three and a half barrel pilot system so that we could make some small batch stuff. Which I was so freaking jealous of at the time. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's it's, it's beautiful. And, um, and I, I still, I, I realize how lucky I am to have something like that. But I think everyone, including myself would agree that we should have probably gone five barrels. Just, it's a nice round number that plays well with our other 20 barrel batch, but also, you know, three and a half barrel system. You're making six kegs at a time after you know after losses, and that that you know we're we're lucky again. I'm not I'm not complaining. I it's more of a you know having something good, wanting something better, but it's it it's just as much work to make three and a half barrels as it is to make twenty barrels. So it's just as much to make three and a half as far as a time commitment goes, um, labor commitment, overhead, all that to make a five barrel system. And it it would be nice to it would have been nice to have a bigger system, but no one can predict how successful you're going to be or or not be. But anyway, so we got a three and a half barrel system. Uh, those are it, it made it it helped us basically fill out our tap line. We had twelve taps on, uh, twelve lines on tap, and to be able to have some of the small batch stuff that you can turn over quickly, it really helps people come in more often because a lot of people come in and they just want something new, something they've never had before. And if, if you just have four 40-barrel fermenters and you're serving the same four beers over and over, it's going to get old and people are going to go to another brewery and, and try something they haven't had before. So it's super lucky it, from that perspective. But what we yep. found out is that to harvest yeast from a 3.5-barrel fermenter, there, wasn't, there just wasn't enough yeast cells to pitch into a 20 barrel mm-hmm. batch of beer and 20 was really as small as we could go with those 40 barrel fermenters because the geometry of the tanks you just couldn't put any less than that in there you'd have trouble with racking the beer off you'd have trouble carbonating the beer it'd be all um, cone yeah you wouldn't even be able to get up to this wickle you couldn't even take samples yeah um so what we decided is we probably needed, we need it we need in between tanks so let's get a 20 barrel tank so we reached out to the people that made our original system, both of our systems. We've got them from the same company. And we're like, we need a 20-barrel tank. What can you do? And he's like, well, one of the guys, the guy that our sales guy at the time was like, yeah, we got one. In fact, we got three. And um, if you want one, I can I can mark one for you right now. You know, a typical sales guy fashion. He's like, and the other two are going quick. So if you want those ones, you better, <laughs> you better act quickly. Otherwise, they're going to be gone. And so my boss, JD, the owner, re- it asked asked the all important question well what's shipping what's shipping on this tank it was like you know x amount of dollars to ship this one tank or or, or, all of our equipment was made in china so he asked what the shipping was for this one tank and he showed him and like like i said this guy's a good sales guy and he said but if you want all three the shipping is the same price (laughs) so (laughs) so we're like all right give us three so we ended up buying three 20 barrel fermenters And the beauty of that is you can do a ten barrel batch in a in a twenty barrel fermenter. So, um, what we what we kind of the way that we justified getting this these new tanks is that we can do we can take a a yeast pitch from a three and a half barrel tank, pitch it into a ten barrel ten barrel batch of beer, and then we can harvest from that, pitch it into a twenty or a forty or whatever, Um, and that actually yeast prop system going on like real time to keep everything going really. it is. It is, and you know, and, and like you said, it's it, it's actually better on paper, but it's it's worked out really well because the, the timing does need to be perfect. And one of the things, you know, is this what differentiates us and makes us better than the competitors, or is this just us shooting ourselves in the foot? But of our seven year-round beers that are always on tap, we have four different yeast strains, so for us to. <laughs> Tim's laughing, he knows. That's just ridiculous. Why would anybody do that?
0: Yeah. So yeah. it's
1: Yeah, why would anyone do that, Derek? Why are we still doing that four years later? <laughs> but it's hard to it's hard to keep those yeast strains going if you're gonna pitch them into the next beer if you're not making them that often. And you know, it it, it looks bad if you're trying to justify purchases of new expensive equipment by being able to save money on yeast, but not not, not being able to use it because of the different strains and the timing between them. But right. to, to Tim's original question, yeah, we are getting really close to being maxed out. I think we could probably fit another 40-barrel fermenter in there and maybe another 20-barrel. But we got, we got to keep room for, for the forklift um, to get through so we can do. Our, our The original cooler that we had is only 200 square feet, and when it was empty, it looked gigantic. But when you fill it up, it's, it's a pretty tiny cooler. So we had another one put in. And the reason for the second cooler that we put in at the end of 2020 was because it was basically COVID. We had always had aspirations to do, you know, cans. Um, and the plan was 2021 would be the year that we, we do cans at Unmap. But as soon as the whole world was shut down, every single one of our draft lines just closed up, just like everyone problem wasn't unique to us, but we weren't selling draft beer anymore. No one was serving it. And we needed to figure out what to do with you know, our ability to make beer. And uh, who, who was buying beer? Well, clearly liquor stores were buying beer. They were buying beer hand over fist and selling the shit out of it. Um, all of a sudden, everybody had a seven day weekend and everyone was worried about the future. And what do people do? I mean, we, we remember the recession Back 2008, 2012, people drink beer. Same thing, you know, when people are happy, they drink beer. When people are sad, they drink beer. When people are depressed, they drink beer. When people are anxious, they drink, I shouldn't say beer, they drink alcohol, they drink. And the only place they could get it was at liquor stores or, you know, breweries that were able to sell off sale. Um, So we decided, hey, let's figure this out real quick. So I think it was around March 16th that Minnesota got shut down. May first, our first cans came off the line. We hired a we we hired a a um, mobile canner that would come out and do the canning for us. He had all the cans. He we all we needed to do was provide the labels and the liquid, and got everything set up. And May first, our first cans came off the line, and we had a really good year. We had a good year of selling cans. Um, we found out that there was a there was a a product or a market for our product and um we really we, we enjoyed some success selling beer you know in cans off the um to the to the public
2: did you deal with the can shortage at all cuz i remember one thing through the pandemic with the local breweries here were really nervous about being able to get aluminum cans like yeah that was a major thing for a while
1: it, yeah and I, to it me is. It, it is it still is and for for us being you know i I would say on the smaller end of the packaging it it clearly we're on the smaller end of packaging um, industry for us, oh, mostly it's a problem that we hear about but not necessarily deal with. We're paying a lot more per can than we were before, but we still haven't gotten to the point where we're having trouble getting cans now the middle of twenty twenty was a little tough to get crawlers. Mm-hmm. So Minnesota, as you probably Tim has probably mentioned, we're one of one of, if not the only, state that serves um that that is allowed to sell twenty five point four ounce crawlers. Most most other states do the thirty two ounce crawler. Yep. So the 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 companies that make cans, they don't make a lot of the or 750 milliliter cans because not a lot of people need them but then enter covid that's all that people are selling for a long time and there was there was a massive shortage of those and we ended up going from getting cans from one supplier to two suppliers and and one of the suppliers was actually selling us gold cans because that was the only color they had in that size (laughs) And we tried to make the best of it, but they were they were kind of cool looking cans. But that was the only color we could get in that size can from one of our suppliers, and you know we just kind of ran with it. But it it came back. They uh, ball ball stepped up, and I think they did uh, uh, an extra run. I think they run our size twice a year, January and July, Mm -hmm. because that's all they needed to do to satisfy the industry and. That clearly changed, but now we're hearing you know the small the small vessels 12 sixteen um, you know and it's crazy because we hear companies like Pepsi isn't able to get the cans that they need, but yet we've we've still not been able to not get our cans. We've paid more for them, but we've not been able to we've never had to not get the cans that we need.
2: It's kind of funny you mentioned Ball and Pepsi because you guys are watching the Twins game right now. I'm watching the Colorado game right now. And Denver, for years, is the Pepsi Center. Now it's Ball Arena. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they just changed this year. So it went from the can to the supplier of the can, Ball Arena. So I had no idea that Ball, because I remember seeing Ball for years was a thing. I mean... God, I want to say Paul years ago might have made the uh, glass for the telephone poles along train tracks and all that and then moved elsewhere. Oh, I'm sure they did, yeah. But I could be wrong, but I mean, they've been around forever, but it's just such a small world how things turn out. And oh. I also find it really funny you guys mentioned earlier that the uh, rent in a uh, strip mall because I decided to finally start watching Cobra Kai last night. For the first time ever, And that's definitely <laughs> retinas from. I'm like, yep. So <laughs>
0: that's that's a tangent, JT. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, gonna, I, yeah, I was
3: going to give Derek another piece of advice. You don't you don't Call need a listening. you don't need a forklift. Go to the yes, local high school. Talk to the head football coach. No you've you got him a great, great not, workout not, for his or. linemen moving fifty pound bags.
2: No, 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 oh, no. You need, no, you need a forklift for the pallets of everything you're no, moving you out and all that. Nope. No, not not if no, if you no, got no.
3: enough linemen, just individual no, no, move no. No. it all.
2: As someone <laughs> who <laughs> runs forklifts for a living, you absolutely will need do, a forklift. So
3: they will <laughs> do world strongest man type relay competitions and stuff to move that's a perfect free labor. Just saying. <laughs> we
0: are.
1: I mean, there's probably a few labor.
0: Yeah, probably a few labor law violations in there as well.
1: Yeah.
2: I was going to say, if Aaron's you're not, not
3: cheating. You're not trying, Tim.
2: <laughs> I'm surprised Aaron isn't pissed off. We use the term growler.
3: What should we? I've what? Matured. I've ignored that term.
0: Yeah, he just, he just doesn't like the t- He doesn't even like the term growler. And he really doesn't like the term Crowler he I don't really like... hates flights too.
3: Because a growler is a big turd. That's what it is. I'm going to go <laughs> take a growler. I'm sorry.
1: I've, I've, I've heard that. That heard term that. came first. I don't like so, crawler because it sounds too much like growler. And whenever people come in and order something, they every, every time. Did you say growler or crawler? What would
2: you call it instead? Big ass can.
1: It's, it's a good question. I don't know. But I wish something would have become more mainstream than crawler.
2: Instead of a tall boy, a malt boy?
3: A 30 plus.
1: Whatever. Well, guess, again, you, Minnesota, they're not, 30, oh, not thirty-two.
0: They're seven hundred
1: and fifty, which is it'd be just twenty-five dumb. plus.
3: That's <laughs> true. Give me a big ass can. There you go.
1: Yeah, that's perfect. Big ass can. Yeah. I mean, the big ass fan caught on, right? right?
3: It's a whole company. Big ass fan. Big ass can.
1: Big, big, ass, big can. ass fan.
3: It's a. It's a. I'm, solving of industrial. World's problems fans. one at a time today.
1: I'm on fire. <laughs> the ceiling fan that's giant. Oh,
2: ceiling fan. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Right. Big industrial. Uh, I think I was, was I thinking pedestal fan, or was I thinking box
1: fan, or no, industrial uh, fans? Uh, big, so, yeah. big, okay. big
3: industrial fans, like in warehouses and stuff that are...
1: Big ceiling fan and a big Seven boat. feet
3: wide and, yeah, huge.
1: I was going to say, so
2: we got 36-inch fans, little... We're those big.
3: are small comparatively. Yeah,
2: no yeah,
0: shit. Those are literally not called big ass fans. <laughs> um, no. so, Derek, you, you mentioned no trace, which we're gonna have here in a little bit, but you mentioned that's kind of your your number one, your your big seller there. Yeah. Uh, I I remember when before you guys opened, maybe even before, uh, those guys brought you on and when it was still kind of a brewery and planning there was this idea that maybe it could be more of a belgian focused or belgian inspired yeah brewery right um but uh, and you do have you do have beers that that fit that mold a little bit more but it's definitely evolved as time has gone on right um and it's probably continuing to evolve i think as you guys go around yeah uh, you know you've added uh, cosmic tiara which is awesome I, I, i've been digging that one thank you um uh so talk a little bit about about how that has changed from you know what the brewery you guys thought you're going to
1: be when you opened to the brewery that you are today yeah i think the uh i think the original idea from the owner um before i was even involved which was long before the brewery even opened was let's be a Belgian brewery that sells some American beers as well. And, you know, when we opened, we opened with two beers, a Belgian wit and uh, an American IPA. And the idea was to grow the tap list. Um, when we when we opened, we had 12 taps, but only two beers. So we knew we needed to at least fill those taps out. And... I'm trying to think of a number. I think we were trying to do four. I think the original plan was to do four Belgians, two year-round American style, and then, you know, rotate six other beers through there. And we eventually got to about that. We had, you know, we we had the Belgian wit. We actually had a French saison, which arguably could be Belgian style. Um, we had a Belgian triple and a Belgian quad, and then we had an IPA and a double IPA. And then we rotated six other beers through, you know, whatever, they could be German, they could be American, they could be, um, you know, anything, they could be sours. And that, that, I mean, that worked out pretty well for a while. And as we grew, we, kind of just looked at the numbers and saw, you know, what is what is selling? What sells well on tap? What sells well to go? Um, where where are we missing? Where could we do better? And one of the first things that we that we figured out was, you know, and it was it was something that we've been playing toying with for a long time is is hazy IPAs. You know, everyone does hazies and you know, hazies are not only they're popular to brew if you're a brewery, but they're popular to drink if you're a drinker. And it's, it was probably my fault because I was so, I I would push back every time someone said, we need to brew a hazy, we need to brew a hazy because I'm, I'm more of a traditional style brewer. And I, it was so against everything that I believe in to make a beer that looks like shit, Uh you know, you know, I know that. Yes, 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 yes. Beer doesn't taste how it looks, but I do recognize that people drink with their eyes. And I I know what I was taught in brewing school. You know, the beer needs to look good if people are going to drink it. And it's actually a goal for a brewer to make. You don't want your beer to be dirty and turbid and hazy. You want it to look good you want it to look clear you don't have to filter it but brew it in a way brew it with care brew it uh the way you were taught so that it you know it looks good you want it to taste good you want it to look good it should look good in a in a glass and i really fought that that uh you know and for a while i was calling it a fad we know that No, it's ACIPAs is not a fad. It's something that's probably going to be with us for a long time. But it wasn't until I read an article about um, the where hazies came from, and they didn't. They weren't hazies. Didn't come from anywhere. It was the New England style IPA, and it came from clearly New England, but the thing that really stuck with me is greg noonan from the you know the the vermont pub and brewery mm-hmm. he started that in the late 80s early 90s and, and and people like uh the alchemist shortly thereafter they were making <laughs> they were making uh ipas where the goal was it wasn't to make them as hazy as possible their goal was to make IPAs that were extremely flavorful, extremely um, aromatic, but not bitter. They wanted this new, they created this new style of beers. And uh, Greg Noonan was a guy that I idolized early in my beer drinking days, even before I was a brewer, because I would read about him and the stuff that he was doing out there. And once I learned that the style actually evolved out of stuff that he was doing, I was like, all right, I can get behind this. This is, this is something that people who aren't just fad brewers did. And it wasn't, we're not making beers just to be hazy. So the point isn't to make them dirty. They're to make them a certain style. And that style is less bitterness, more aromatic, more flavorful, um focus on the mouth field stuff like that and i was like all right now i can get behind this so we started doing that in the early part of 2020 and um what we ended up doing because at that point we did have 12 tap lines filled out um we had to sacrifice one of our belgians and that was the triple Uh, and that was one of the best named beers too because even in 2017 when every single beer name on the planet was taken, you had to either <laughs> you had to spell it differently or you had to come up with a word that didn't exist or two words that didn't make sense together for it to be a name of a beer. But for whatever reason, disorientation didn't exist as a beer name. And we thought that was the greatest name for a beer ever. But that was the name of our triple. And that was the one that, that we had to sacrifice because, you know. Clearly, after it wasn't on tap, people would come in and say, what would you do with your triple? Where's disorientation? It was my favorite beer. Yeah, clearly it wasn't because nobody was buying it.
0: Yeah, so, we, we, we talked about this the other day, that the number of times you take away a beer, and people love that, and that fan base is always a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. It, it may have been their favorite beer, and they may have bought it every single time they came in there, but they only bought one, and then they bought – you know, three no traces after they get, they finished that one uh disorientation. And so yeah. no trace was still going to outsell it three to one, no matter what. But yeah, man, we hey. see that all the time where everyone loves a beer when it's gone.
3: Tim, yeah, I, I got a question for you. Has anybody ever said about you, what Derek just said about <laughs> that other guy? Like, Oh, Tim's behind it. So I can get behind this. I don't think
0: anyone <laughs> has looked at me and been like, okay, well, if Tim's okay with it, then Tim, Johnson, then I, I can be sucker. okay with it, too. So usually people are like, oh, Tim doesn't like it. Well, we're definitely doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely had kind of the same path of Hazy's that Derek was talking about. Tim
3: doesn't believe in strip mall breweries. Fuck him.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, well... There's a lot of things that I have obviously been wrong about when it comes to brewing um
3: <laughs>
1: but oh, like, I think
0: there's there was this um there was this path early on in the hazy when it was still i w- I would call it a fad, and it's moved past the fad because it's matured right. right because there was a part where it wasn't about making and sometimes I still see them, and they're just turbid muddy messes, right They still look disgusting. like you can have something that's not. Crystal clear, you know, I love Hefeweizen. I love Allagash White. I love these beers that are not these crystal clear beers. You can have a beer that has some turbidity to it without it just being like it's just orange juice and milk in a glass. And I yep, think that's yep. what – what for a while, you know, uh, Hoof Hearted and all of those guys were doing some of these. Yeah, there's a brewery in, in like Ohio or Indiana or something called Hoof Hearted, Hoof Hearted. <laughs> Uh, because yeah, it's it's totally helping to break down the um immature twelve year old boy problem that plagues brewing. But uh
1: Yeah, but yeah. he's inside all of us.
0: <laughs> That's true. But you know, it it just it did take something where enough brewers started to realize a little bit more but like I was even talking to Tuck the other day and i don't remember if he said it or i said it but it was something like a part of it is i just i don't make a good one because it's not what i want to make so i don't make i you know i haven't ever made
3: a good one yeah right so i don't know speaking of good beers there's a question that we ask every person that comes on the podcast Um, So we're going to ask you, and we typically ask it right before we get into the tasting section, and we take our break. Um, So before I ask it, I want to remind you that we have our own stream for Bitter Units now. You can find us on any podcast network. Download, rate, review, subscribe. You can still find us at the Tailgate Society. (laughs) Society TheTailgateSociety.com, where you can listen to all the other podcasts that we originated with. That's Culture Check and Sports and Corks and stuff and things which is apparently going to get rebranded breaking news um we're not that drunk and various other uh, sundry uh podcasts and a lot of great writing as well at tailgatesociety.com uh, so check all those people out and all the good work they're doing um but uh you know rate review subscribe us individually on our feed and the tailgate society if you love those guys um but uh do that for us. We'd appreciate it. Uh, but the question is, very simply, you're stranded on a desert island. You've shipwrecked, cra- plane crashed, um, paraglider crashed, whatever it is, however you got there. Uh, and you have three to five beers that you just kind of have to have with you. That's what you're going to get you through until you get rescued. What do you got to have with
1: you? 3 to 5 beers. All right. Well, that's that that makes a big difference. Um ironically, Tim mentioned one of them just moments ago. I if I had to name my favorite beer on the planet, it would probably be Allegash White. I love that beer. Sh- shocking. Is- what?
0: <laughs> I don't know why we keep asking this question because every brewer seems to answer there's like
3: like, there's two
0: of beers. I need to get my hands, hands on this
1: beer. Like it, I've heard that, it so is many that, times. Is that common? Really? It's pretty yeah, common. It's, Let's yeah. see yeah. if wow. he names
3: the other super common one. Okay, keep going. <laughs> keep going.
1: Um, well, I, one of them is one of the beers you're gonna drink in just a minute. I I love my my answer for a long time. Before I even worked there, it was certainly Furious, but now it's um, it's Unmapped No Trace. I I love that beer. That beer is. I hope you find it to be the same but I think it's extremely balanced. It's bitter but not too bitter. It's it's dry but not too dry. It's sweet but not too sweet. Um, it's got a couple of my favorite hops, Amarillo and Simcoe and uh, it's just so drinkable. It's, it's it's a cabin beer that you can drink all day even though it's bitter. It's it's an IPA, but it's an IPA you can drink all day. It's 6.2% and Is it um, crushable? <laughs> it's, it's not quite crushable. Damn this me one me. is crushable. Go this one's yourself. crushable. Certainly yeah, like, Sur- Surly
2: Furious is a damn good beer, though. Uh, like, by the yeah. way, it if is. you're
3: not from Minnesota, everybody in Minnesota owns a cabin. That's why he says it's a cabin beer. It's just a, it's a Minnesota <laughs> thing. It
1: is. Guess you weren't aware.
3: But uh, okay, go ahead.
1: Well, I, my owner is from is South Carolina, and and they don't call them cabins on there. They're mountain houses. mountain houses mountain house we're going to the mountain house mountain house oh okay we'll we'll be at the mountain house this weekend we're heading up to the mountain house All right. they go up we go down to the water whatever Uh, so that's two that is two let's see here um probably pivo pills firestone walker i love Uh, that beer that's uh that's probably my favorite of the lightest beers um you know, No traces is hoppy. We got the Allagash White for the Belgian style. Um, just to give Tim some props, I really like the, the light. Well, yours was an ale, though, right? It, well, yeah, it was. It was a it, light it ale. Technically
0: a cream ale, but we didn't market it as that, but yeah.
1: But it, it was corny, and it was yeah. nice.
0: Wait, it's Co- corny and nice like Tim?
1: Literally.
2: <laughs> got him!
1: Apt description. Zing! One, one of those brewer beers. Yeah, you know, I I I'd like that beer a lot too.
0: Well, well thank you. I, I'm glad that you're saying that. As I'm on,
1: as you're on here with me. Yeah, and wouldn't, I would I would say that to anyone. But <laughs> it was you you being on is actually one of the reasons why I would think twice about saying it at all. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's going to have
3: trouble getting through his doorway here in a little bit. You know, <laughs> you got some, does, your, does your girlfriend have some butter around to <laughs> grease the doors and stuff? Wow. Uh, that, uh, well, awesome. Anything else you want to add? I can't think of it.
1: I you know, feel like I've been running my mouth for a long time now.
2: No, yeah, the whole point of having guests. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. The whole point
3: of having guests is so we don't yes. have to listen to Tim the whole time. <laughs> yes. So
2: it's bad enough we have to
1: look at him. Yeah. Tim's got a nice little green screen back there, but let's let's put something on it.
3: Oh yeah. I, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll... have something on it when he comes back. When we come <laughs> back from break, the uh, green screen that none of you can see because this is a podcast without video. <laughs> uh, Tim will have something on that, uh, probably patties. Uh, so because that seems to be his favorite background. But uh, and we're also going to drink our beer that we have, which is which beer again, Tim? No Trace IPA. No Trace IPA. When we come back with a message from our sponsor right after this.
1: Back when I started Deadeye, I knew I wanted to innovate the barbecue game. Since day one, we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market. Great Anne Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard and there was no way we weren't going to do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocer today or at DeadeyeBBQ.com.
3: Uh, welcome back to the second half of this episode of Bitter Units I hope you enjoyed the message from our sponsor, remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe on all the podcast networks, Bitter Units, you can find us at BitterUnits.com uh, you can also find us at the Tailgate dot com and uh, yeah Twitter, at Bitter Units uh, basically we're Bitter Units so if you can't find us from that, I'm sorry I can't help you um we we're are back.
0: The, we're the we're the 207th rated food related podcast on Apple Pods oh, so we we're are. kind of a big deal <laughs> kind of a big
3: deal I have an apartment with of rich mahogany
2: uh <laughs> and leather bound books,
3: books. um <laughs> but uh yeah so we're back with no trace IPA as our drink of choice this evening and uh Derek, why don't you uh, give us the uh, you know a little bit more? You've talked about it a little bit already, but a brief yep. background of this beer, um, and then we'll get into the tasting.
1: Yeah. So this beer was uh, it, this was our first beer we ever made as uh, as a company. Um, this was the beer that we broke the broke the uh, equipment in on. It was supposed to be a Belgian wit beer as our first beer, but I was a little scared at making a 50% wheat beer, our first beer on a Lauderton that I had never used before. So we did the, uh, we do the no trace first, the, the IPA. And it, uh, I brewed it to be, and you know how beer styles change over the years. I mean, people know what a, uh, like an ESB or a standard bitter in, in England back in, you know, the late 1800s, ni- mid-1900s, those were really bitter beers back then. But now they'd be considered pretty tame. And when I – it's only been four years, but when we first brewed this beer, it was supposed to be an aggressive um, American IPA, and, and as as we know – IPAs in general have just become something of a just a different different category altogether but our IPA is is generally pretty balanced um you know like I said earlier it's not too extreme on any end of the category and I you know the beauty of of building this beer from scratch was that I could pick the hops and my favorite hops you know, or still are Am- Amarillo and Simcoe, and I think those beers really go well together. They don't, they don't scream, they don't scrape your taste buds, but they offer a lot of, um, a lot of complementary flavors that uh, just make the overall, you know, drinking experience, you know, good.
0: I'm happy you're making a beer with Amarillo and, and, and Simcoe because I feel like those
1: are forgotten hops right i know i remember when like cascade and chinook were the those are the sexy big big hops and then people forgot about those and it was like oh give me the simcoe give me the amarillo and um and then those became forgotten and all of a sudden it was give me the citra give me the mosaic and and now if it's not from new zealand nobody gives a shit so right um but we're still giving some love to the the Simcoe and the Amarillo. You got some pine, you got some fruit, citrus fruit, grape grapefruit. Um, I I and I think it I think it's really pretty to look at. It's one of those beers that if you come into the tap room and and pour it on draft, it looks like we filtered this beer. Now I know that the beers that you guys got have a few floaties in them, and we're working on getting the package product to look as good as the draft product but um it's not hazy it's not cloudy it's not um there's no chill haze it's, it's a it's a really good looking beer when you come in it's a clear ipa it's somewhere along the lines of uh i i know this is tooting my own horn but it's it's you know two-hearted it's right kind of in that category yeah. it's a it's a Good, clean American IPA. It's balanced. It's not too much of anything, well, but it's not a, a wimpy beer by well, any means. Let's, well, let's, I will let's, be the judge of I was this. it. going to say, we'll
0: go ahead and, and and see if what you said rings true in any way. All, also, I want
3: everybody in, listening out there know that uh, we have a, a a fourth taster tonight. If you followed along on Twitter with JT Tim and I in the last year. Uh, You may have seen us interacting with a real asshole on Twitter (laughs) uh, named (laughs) at Pork Chop Hawaii. (laughs) Um, That's also uh, my brother. The Uh, best brother. The best brother, he says, yes. Uh, So he is actually here in Washington with me sitting in, and he's going to go through the tasting with us. Um, So we're going to have an extra voice here. If you're wondering who that is, it's at Pork Chop Hawaii, uh, also (laughs) known as my brother Troy, who is a giant asshole. So
0: all right I do appreciate that you put the the microphone right in front of his face so we don't have to I, look at him 100%. At you now you I'm should a microphone the of our
4: rear face. That's on too. purpose. You just have to imagine how beautiful I look. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, let's go ahead and jump in.
3: Brad Pitt divided by a 1000. Um
1: <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to go grab another beer. So if you're going to trash talk this beer, do it now before I get back. <laughs> okay,
3: <laughs> that's right. So J, JT, what are you what are you getting here?
2: I definitely see the floaties, too. It almost, like, look, if I could describe it, it'd be like the Schlager beers because there's, like, these <laughs> little gold floaties. Hopefully it tastes better than Goldschlager because Schlager is fucking oh,
3: can't awful. can't taste worse than Goldschlager, can Oh, God, nothing oh, can. Terrible. And, you know,
0: this was not an uncommon thing to see in in a lot of West Coast IPAs 10 years ago. Okay. To see a lot of hot particulate still in there, a lot yeah, of people. Yeah. No, this is. A lot nothing. of people certainly felt like hot particulate was still imparting probably a lot more flavor than it was. Uh, but so, for, but I will
2: say for a for a New England IPA, it is very clear. Well,
0: this for, this I'm, isn't this isn't a New I'm England. I'm sorry,
2: this is this is right, England IPA. We talked a bunch yeah. about the New England IPAs earlier,
3: but, but yeah. No, I think if you got a, a, and it wouldn't even have to be that that small of screen to catch most of these particulates. So yeah, I mean, but,
2: but I it is think, clear. I don't I think see.
3: it'd be a difficult thing. You know, I mean, it's probably more difficult than I think it is because I'm an idiot, but um, I, it's not like you're going to have to super filter it or anything to really clear it up in the cans. So, right. But yeah, no, it's uh it's a really nice, um, I don't know, copper, copper a little bit orange but yeah could definitely
2: copper
3: you know nice head on it
2: the head shiny
3: shiny yeah right shiny penny so um i got when i poured it into my my glass i got a nice I'll say half half inch ahead um and while that has dissipated since i've you know in the last 10 minutes that we've been talking here um i still have some nice lacing on the side of the glass um so it looks – all of that is, is good and what you would expect from a nice a nice IPA. Um, stupid, you got anything to add?
4: Uh, Tim, is that you?
0: <laughs> oh, 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 try. oh, Thank you very much for making your first and last appearance on Bitter <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: I feel like I know you since I talked to you on Twitter, but no, no. I mean, it's a nice – you say copper, it looks like it's got like malts in the, the beer itself to give it that nice copper color. The little floaties to me just look like deliciousness, so I'm not even gonna complain about that. So it looks really appealing.
0: When those made it through before I always just call them flavor crystals. I'm in. <laughs> it wait,
2: we're drinking beer a burst?
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. But all right, so uh what about what about Aroma?
2: I'll set this one out as
0: always. <laughs> As per usual, JT's notes. <laughs> because because today is well, it's there's a season going on today.
3: It's definitely <laughs> definitely uh, fruity, uh, pineapple. Just I'm, I think is what I would
4: call it. I'm getting like apricot, and then at the very end, like a little of the the piney, you know, the the hoppiness. But I get like more of an apricot smell. Stone fruit. All right.
0: Yeah, cool. uh, I, I definitely get more kind of stone fruity, apricot, tangerine type of oh, thing, and okay. then.
4: I do um, drink more beer than him, so...
0: Yeah, yeah. Top, Refined. <laughs> but, no, I I get that, and, I, and definitely a little bit of that, that pininess in there as well, uh, which is nice. Um, you can tell that you're not going to have this fruity juice bomb just by the aroma. So, all right. So then let's go ahead and, and give her a
1: taste. I wish I had one to drink with you guys. D- Tim knows our friend Dave Beechler. He was over, helped me do some DIY today, and we drank all the no trays. Uh-huh. <sighs> <H. laughs> so
0: So uh, JT, I'll start with you. Taste mouthfeel, finish. What are you getting?
2: Very smooth. Like he kind of set it up that it's not overly piney. It's not overly bitter. It's it's really good. Like it starts pretty clean. It does finish a little bit more bitter and piney, but it's really good. It's not overpowering to anything. Like it's, this is something I could drink in summer. This is something I could drink in fall. This is something I could drink in winter. Like this is a year round good paleo IPA American style. Like, yeah, I like this a lot. This is really, really good. Thanks.
3: Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with what Tim or JT is saying. Um, I would say that based off of first perception of the aroma I would have expected this to be less bitter than it is but it's not it's definitely not super bitter it's not it's not somebody ran a pine tree through my mouth like some of the northwest IPAs that you have up here where I live sure. um so you definitely have that bitterness um but it is I think the word you used earlier, which is I don't know, maybe cliche or whatever you want to call it, or people call it a cop out, but it's it's balanced. You know, there's some bitterness, there's some fruitiness, there's there's the, but it's nothing that's over the top of any of those things. Um, so it's nice and balanced, and I'm not gonna say it, but it's very drinkable. <laughs> crushable? Is it crushable? No, not, nothing's no ever going to be crushable <laughs> out of my mouth, JT.
0: You don't put on the can, Derek. What do you think? What do you guys call this? Like 60 IBU?
1: Yeah, 67 is what we calculate. Okay. I don't know if we've ever had it measured. We should probably do that. And
0: then, and then, especially
1: now that we're packaging it. But well, what, yeah, um, we guess. I guess 67 has to have been lower than that. Okay. Uh, and it probably is, isn't it? Usually lower the, Yeah, the, it usually lower. It's higher than the measured. And then this is what, like six and a half percent? Yeah. I think it's six two or six four. I can't remember. Okay. Okay. It's not you on know, the can. It
0: doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't drink, you know, boozy by any means. Sometimes when you have something that's a higher IBU, it's the booziness that kind of helps uh break that up, but this doesn't have that. It 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 doesn't finish like super dry it's got more of that that west coast where there's some sweetness there but it also yeah it's not cloying sweet by any means
1: uh, yeah we use uh we use a crystal 15 so it's a little bit one of the lighter crystals Mm -hmm.
0: but it's nice It's, it's really well balanced um like you said uh you still get that stone fruit coming through but it's not so so candied like sometimes you get out of these where they're almost too like candied apricot rather than just regular apricot yep it's not the
1: dried though
0: i mean i've i've had so much of this beer sometimes i i don't even know how to describe it anymore but it it does when you when you bring up you know uh too hearted, you know. Obviously, it's not centennial, but it's got kind of that similar vibe to me.
1: It's one of the things yeah. I, I like it a little bit more. Well, and I think uh, the thing I like about Too Hearted that we don't have is they. It does have the alcohol, and the alcohol, and the Too Hearted really plays well with the uh, um the the mixture of the hops and the caramel malts and stuff. But but we you know. We've really enjoyed the success of this beer, so we're not we're not about to change it anytime soon. Mm-hmm.
0: I just appreciate having uh, a more American IPA like you and I cut our teeth on rather than what mm-hmm. IPA has evolved into. Again, come to terms with I- IPA evolving as much as it has, I still think there's, at this point, everything's called an IPA. I don't know what is isn't an IPA at this point.
3: Right. You want to um, know what is in an IPA? Dale's Pale Ale, apparently.
0: <laughs> so we had Dale's Pale Ale on, which Derek, I think you'll agree, is kind of one of the like the quintessential, like, American craft, like the first American craft beers. And he's really mad that, that they don't call that an IPA.
1: I, I would take that on a desert island for sure. Yeah, yeah.
3: I mean it's a good beer. I just it's
0: a really you know if beer. it if
1: it was produced today, they'd call it an IPA, probably. Todd first made that beer at Rock Bottom in Minneapolis, and I think he called it. Was it called Big Red? Yeah, I, I think so. It was a, it was a hoppy red ale, and I think that's what Furious was supposed to be. But I mean, it it fit the bill. It was, but apparently it was ninety nine IBU, and it was it was caramely, and it was. I mean, it was it was everything that an American IPA was supposed to be at that time. Well, I I don't even think when it first first launched that they called it an IPA.
0: No, they didn't. It was but, ev- but everyone else called it that. They did. Right? Cuz that Absolutely. that's English that's English East too, isn't it? Yep, 007. Right?
1: So 007. Right?
2: <laughs> White, yeah.
1: Labs, White Labs decided to call their English Ale 007.
0: Yeah, White Labs had a sense of humor about that. <laughs> yeah. um we started with 007 in Trader at 007. Okay. Uh, no, no, well, it, no, it had, what about it had, MSB? it had, it had, it had, uh, it had 1098, which is the, the, uh, the equivalent. That was the Y East equivalent, the Y East equivalent. Yeah. So it, was it, 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 was, it was, it was, it was, it was a well, 98, the BSI equivalent, but yeah.
3: Is that like penis drugs? The generic of, uh, Viagra Viagra, <laughs> the, the gas station pills that you can buy
1: purple 98. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh
0: there are two major yeast suppliers and all other kind of uh strains from there stem off of one or the other and so like BSI it's called you know A98 or A56 but they're all just their versions of 1098 10, 1056 um, nice. but, yeah, so you know, Trader was a little bit more kind of English West Coasty type of thing too. But what was MSB, did you say? MSB started off as uh, ten ninety eight as well. And what was the name of that? What was ten ninety-eight? I think that I think they just called that English Ale East 2.
1: Okay, that wasn't American ale too. No. That was an English ale?
0: Yeah, it was English. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember what they called it exactly, but yeah. Well, cuz we had some that were English and some that were American, and then then we just went, well, why don't we just slowly start to move everything over to be American? Like trader the whole idea was it was American uh hops and and uh British yeast and so it was a trader because it was the two different God, countries yeah. and then we just eventually uh moved it over to to a-56, because... A- why manage four different yeast strains, Derek?
1: Right? <laughs> why, would you, why, why would anybody do that? Only idiots what, do that.
0: What kind of idiot wants to manage that many different yeast strains? <laughs>
1: well, I think it was Homer Simpson who said, only two good things came out of England. The Beatles and America.
2: There's <laughs> two people to lie, Marge. One to lie and one to listen. oh man
1: i
3: love it oh man um so in summation i think we can all do sum that up that's a really good beer yes yes um surprisingly quiet from my my cohort over here brother because he's just sucking it down his face i think he's hey hawaii
1: what do you got to say
4: oh it's very good um like they were saying it's it's got like a nice multi-start and then uh little of that, that stone fruit flavor. I call it apricot, whatever you want to call it. And then it right, finishes God. with a little hops, but it's not like it lingers, but it's not like harsh on the tongue. I, I, it's crushable, JT. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I will never say that again, by the way. <laughs> oh, Thank man. you.
2: No, we got that one moment.
4: It's worth it. You uh, Clip that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But no, it's, it's very good, man. I could drink this really easily. I wish they brewed something like this in Hawaii, but we're a little uh we're a little on the tamer side still.
0: Well it's I don't understand how Hawaii breweries do it because Derek was talking about, you know, managing four different yeast strains and, and having to manage the calendar and if one ingredient is a daylight or one beer is taking a day longer to, to finish out than you anticipated and that tank didn't get flipped, like it fucks up the entire schedule. Um, I don't know how you get anything shipped to you in Hawaii. Uh, Oh, kidding. I can't right? imagine.
4: Yeah. I right. mean, it's, it's all on a boat. I mean, for the, for beer and stuff, it pretty much all comes on a boat and you just live with it.
2: Does it ever get stuck in a canal sideways?
4: Uh, no, because <laughs> we go through the, we don't go through any canals. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, pretty much comes out of, um, either LA or Portland and, uh, Like with anything, when we expect something to get there, we expect a week on the boat, and then we get it. That's how it works. Comes on a boat, they don't fly it out? Um, Sometimes, but that's expensive. That's very expensive. And how much are you going to add to a beer and have people buy it?
2: It's more uh, expensive to send it over to a plane that can land right in Honolulu than it does to send a boat for yeah. two days. Boat can um, boat like 12,000 times like
4: twelve up two, thousand times Okay, that makes sense. Okay, up okay, up okay, to that 10 makes times more. Now. Yes, I yeah. can attest to that. Not beard-wise, but just things and that. in
1: general. Yeah. They, They'd probably ship it on a boat from Asheville or San Diego to us, too, if they could do it over water, but they don't have that option.
0: I, I worked on the opening of the, the first... Uh, Hawaii Best Buy location. Mm-hmm. I did not get... I was not lucky enough to get sent out. I just supported it back from the home office. And normally, the the timeline to open up a Best Buy, it, there was like a... The final three weeks were really when most of the activity happened. Did and Dan the, go? I don't think Dan went either, no. He no, used I, to open stores. Yeah, no. Dan did not get to go to that. I don't know. He might not have been... This is a beer for, podcast. For Hawaii for Ohio it took like like six weeks just because, you know, we were normally shipping ninety percent of, of the country from Minnesota is three days ground shipping. Yep. Yeah. And and yeah. Hawaii it was okay, well it's three days to get it from Minnesota to to Southern California and then a and week then they, on a
4: boat. Yeah, but then they only ship here twice a week. See, so if you get it here on Wednesday and we ship on Wednesday, guess what? You're going to wait till the Saturday boat. So then you're going to wait there a few days and then you're going to wait a week and then it's a week to unload it. So it's kind of like Dennis
2: Nedry waiting for the ship to get out in Jurassic Park. Wrong person to ask. I don't watch to.
4: <laughs> I just drink beer.
0: But yeah. So, Derek, imagine imagine that, you know, because no supplier has ever screwed up your ever. your your order no. at all. Right. So, so now you're waiting on, on hops. We've never
4: up. <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, we don't grow <laughs> anything on the island either. I mean, there's no hops, there's no grains, anything grown. It's all shipped in. Uh, we yeah. grow pineapples. That's so about. Now we don't even grow pineapples <laughs> anymore. It's so all in the Philippines, <laughs> the Malaysia, and Australia. So you don't get uh, Hawaiian pineapples anymore. So.
0: Well, then i I do not want to own or operate a. Brewery in Hawaii. That sounds yeah. Terrible.
4: I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, like you go to any brewery, the minimum you're gonna pay is five bucks a pint, minimum. Well, that's the no cost.
1: That's that's actually cheap. Yeah, I <laughs> just that no, so say bad, that's the yeah. minimum.
4: I'm talking like you know for their 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 Miller light version because you know tourists don't want all the fancy stuff. Sometimes they just want a an American beer. Sure, So oh, sure. they have to make a you know a light beer, right? You know, so that's like that cost. Everything else is you know you're talking porters are twelve bucks easy for a glass. Oh my
0: really? gosh. See, that's okay. not cheap. Yeah, we wouldn't be able to get away with a $12. <laughs> a lot group. of places are doing eight now, which is blowing my mind. I, that seems
4: way too high, but. Yeah, that, know, that way, would that makes have to be really a high alcohol quarters, special cigarette. And it's $22 for the, 20, the 18 ounce bottle that they make.
1: 22 oh. bucks. Yeah, we can't even. I don't, we've never sold a 750 for over 20 bucks. Yeah, I, we did for Hugsit. What was that one?
0: Hmm, i think that one had been like 24 or something like that okay but i, I mean that had a line out the door and, and down right. the, you know through the parking lot by the lot time i
1: that. showed up there were none left
0: yeah that went that went really quick i ended up getting one somehow probably through you uh, I, I yeah i i set a handful aside for people
1: Yeah, you got one timmy johnson got one you're timmy johnson no, um did you, you had a, did you have a question, Tim? You you were starting to say
0: something. I don't remember. I don't know. Troy <laughs> went on and just started just talking. That sound for me. He, he he did his thing. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Uh shoot. I don't remember what I was going to say. Uh I, I lost it. I
3: lost all it. Right. I well, I don't remember what direction we were going either. Oh, well. That's all right cuz we've been going for you know, pretty close to, to two hours here. So yeah, I know it's getting late your time and,
1: uh, told you I'd put people to sleep,
3: you know, um, <laughs> anything else you want to hit on, uh, Derek, or you want to shout out Twitter or any of that for the brewery or anything you want to say?
1: Well, if anybody's still listening, I just want to say thank you for supporting us through the pandemic. It was a shitty time. Um, a lot of people answered the call. They came out and bought a lot of beer. Um, we are, we were just over the moon to celebrate the fact that we actually made more beer in 2020 than we've ever made. Um, most of it went out the door at lower margins than what we're used to, but nobody's complaining. We, you, people came out and spent a lot of their money, whether they were making money or not. Um, it was a difficult year for everybody, but they really helped us out and. Um, i couldn't be more thankful we i'm still employed because of because of those people and um just thank you very much
0: derek has got a really great staff over there i spent the day about a month ago for a canning day with them uh and uh i love Derek. Derek's the reason that i, I got into the the industry because i i looked at him and i went well shit if he can do it. I must be able to do it, too. <laughs> if,
1: I can do it, if I can do anything, anyone can do it.
0: But seriously, watch, watching him go from corporate America into brewing, I did the same brewing school that he did. Asked him questions all along the way. And so I'm I'm confident now when I go over there and I look at his team that I realize that they're doing really well because of the team that he has. And not anything Derek's doing. It's just all – it's all everyone else. you got a great
1: team. Good support uh, staff.
3: Yeah, no. good, good leaders surround themselves with good people.
1: I, I, I agree 100%. And Before I was a leader of a team, I still surrounded myself with good people because my goal is always to go home a smarter brewer than I showed up that morning. And if I'm surrounded by people smarter than me, the chances of me succeeding at that are, are good. And I still try to make that true. Whether I'm doing it for somebody else or someone's doing it for me, I want, I want to make sure that that happens every single day.
3: That's right, and that's why you don't hang out with Tim
1: Moore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Heyo, <laughs> thank you
1: very much. Ah, uh, sorry, buddy. We're working midnight to eight AM this week, so <laughs> if you want to show up, go ahead.
4: Uh, we're closed <laughs> that
1: week. Uh, Tim, Tim is welcome anytime, any day.
3: Awesome. Um, well, sweet, uh, we really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to come um on the pod with us i appreciate getting the beer um you know obviously it's always a uh an interesting situation to get it out here to me uh but uh
1: you got in time
3: yeah yeah i got here i don't know about 130 today so long enough to get cold and no problem so um we really appreciate you coming on we want to remind everybody to uh check us out on bitterunits.com uh, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, et cetera, uh, at Bitter Units by ourselves, or in conjunction with the Tailgate Society on any of those platforms as well, uh, where you'll get to hear Tim's other podcast, which is not nearly as good as this one. Um, oh, old <laughs> man strength. Thank, you. Thank uh, you. No offense, Chris. It's Tim bringing you down. can um, uh, can confirm. You know, so check them out and, uh you know, Culture Check and Sports and Corks and We're Not That Drunk and Matinee Baseball although, are they doing have they done a new one lately? I can't remember I, um, but I they, get lost on all of them. It's, it's baseball season so they should be back into baseball again um, but, uh yeah, check us out there. Find us. Um, we do have a link on our website to contact us. We are open to suggestions of people you want us to try to get. We can't make any promises on the podcast or questions that you want discussed more, terminology issues, any of that kind of stuff that we've gone over, and I've done a poor job of getting explained to my dumbass. ass. Um, if you want Tim to explain it better or uh, any of that, let us know at our website, bitterunits.com. Uh, Tim, you thought it looked like you were going to say something.
0: Oh, I was going to say if anyone has any T-shirts that they want, any merchandise, we will happily work to get something going for that as well. Yes,
3: we're we're gonna that's that's hopefully coming soon. We're gonna try to set up a merch site. I think we have our first uh, T-shirt idea, though the design is not quite finished yet. If you've been following us on Bitter Units on Twitter. Uh, you might have, have, uh, taken part in the poll about that. Um, I'm not going to yeah, tell you what indeed. it is because if you, uh, have been following, you know, and it's a great idea. So I'm thinking raspberry colored shirt with a, a fooder on the front with our logo in the middle of the fooder slogan on the back. Tim, what do you think about that? I no, I like that idea. I'm impressed by the way that you spelled fooder
0: properly and you remembered how to Pronounce it properly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Derek just got his first f- fooder so all oh, right. Yeah. yeah yep. So look we'll... for some
1: wild ales coming out soon. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, Not well, there. You go.
3: Break breaking news. Someday, footers, yep. <laughs> uh, wild <laughs> ales at unmapped. So uh, sweet. Well, awesome. Um, thanks again. We appreciate everybody for hanging in with us, and uh, we will see you next time on variants.